The mortgage industry never stays still. With interest rates moving, companies changing, and regulation increasing, there's always another story. This is The Principle, where we break it down daily and take a deeper dive into the issues. I'm Christine Stewart, Editorial Director for the Mortgage News Network. Let's pay it down. But first, a word from our sponsors. Mortgage Women Magazine. It's where women's voices are heard. Find it free at www.mortgagewomenmagazine.com. Companies around the country are looking at new models for getting work done. Working from home, unlimited time off, different ways to be flexible with your employees. But can these work in an industry that requires you to be there for your borrowers and to close loans as fast as possible? Welcome to The Principal. I'm Mike Savino, head of multimedia for the Mortgage News Network. And today I'm joined by Trevor Gauthier. He's CEO of Aces Quality Management, and he's one of NMP Magazine's 2023 industry titans. So, Trevor, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. So, you know, before we get started, just, you know, congratulations on, on being one of our uh, titans of industry, our industry titans, rather, and and sort of, you know, what's your reaction to, to getting the uh, the recognition? Oh, well, thank you very much. I, I mean, it is, you know, we're, we're kind of in a team sport, right? Like, so the only way I can get recognized is if the team around me is doing fantastic work, which they are. So um, I... In, in, anytime you're leading an organization, it's hard to have individual work or relying on everybody around you. And we've been able to really do some great things. I came into ACES in June of 2019. Um, and what we've been able to do in the last three years has been great. And I think it's just really a reflection of the, the team around me. Yeah. And I certainly want to talk to you about management and sort of getting your team to to be a team. Um, but first, why don't you talk a little bit about ACES and, and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. Uh, so ACES, you know, in a, in a nutshell, we, we cut our teeth doing residential mortgage audit, like in around 2005, 2006. Uh, and we have significantly expanded that out of just residential mortgage. I mean, we're doing anything loan related. So you're doing, we're doing mortgage audits. We're doing commercial loan audits. We're doing consumer lending and things like that. Um, and then it's also an agnostic platform. So we are able to do auditing on really anything from branch audits to wealth management and things like that. We have some organizations that are doing auditing in 30 different areas of their business. Um, and with that, um, you know, we're pulling in compliance and regulatory information to help them fill out the audits and things like that. And we also have workflow and automation tools and reporting capabilities and things like that that get pushed through the organization to help them manage defects. And once they find something, they're able to kind of run that to the ground. And and over that time, and I know you've only been at Aces for a little bit of that time, but but technology has has really taken off in mm-hmm. especially in the mortgage industry. And we also have access to a lot more data than maybe we did when when Aces uh, first came on. How are those things sort of changing? How you do audits? How you help companies stay in compliance? Now that we have all these additional tools, technology, data, things like that. I mean, I really think we're just at the beginning of this. Uh, you know, we have when we look at our market, it's, it's an interesting one. You know, having come from the loan origination marketplace, where there's let's call it 25 to 30 technology providers out there that are doing some form of technology for loan origination, that's not really the case um, in the area that we play around QC and audit. I mean, there's there are a number of um, outsourcing organizations that are doing this for folks, 
Um, but there aren't really a lot of technology providers that are pure software plays that are assisting organizations and bringing in enterprise software into the organizations to help them manage this. So I would say about 50% of the time when we're going out to market, um, there isn't a competitor there and there isn't a current software platform there. Uh, we're competing against spreadsheets, um, Excel, and then they're putting things into nice PowerPoints to report it. So um, never mind to go into like statistical sampling and how they're doing the samples and how they're getting the data into the platform and then how they're doing the analysis and how they're filling out um, their audits and then how they're reporting it out and the defects and things like that. It's typically a very manual process. So from an enterprise software perspective, it's it's all pretty new to a lot of these folks that were signing up, um, I would say, like I said, at least 50% of the time, this is the first time they brought technology in-house to do something like this. So a lot of greenfield for us, um, and I think there'll be a lot of progress in the coming years, especially as loan volumes drop. Um, you know, quality is even that much more important. Um, if you're doing less loans, you need them to make sure that they're they're very quality loans. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I know talking with people about tech in mortgage, in the mortgage industry in general, there's a range where some people are all over it. They're all over the latest things then others are still very much stuck, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, doing things basically pencil and paper. Um, when it, when it comes to what you do specifically quality control and auditing and compliance, as you show people some of the technology that's available, are people quick to accept it? Because here's an area, as you said, origination is down. You need to make sure you're getting quality loans. You also want to make sure you're getting them fast. So are people sort of adopting some of these this technology to, to automate this and do it quickly so I can get back to closing loans, keeping money coming in so my, my business is going? Yeah, I think there's been you know, a natural progression for just compliance and regulatory in general. I mean, if I was to go back, you know, let's say 10, 15 years ago, um, the heads of compliance or the he heads of regulatory, they weren't really at the table for tech decisions. They were doing something else. And then, you know, TRID happened and a lot more happened to get these chief risk and compliance officers at the table to be acquiring enterprise software and being able to sell the value internally for what that means. Um, I think we're starting to shift from the thought that these areas of the business are cost centers um, into, no, these areas of the business can save us tremendous amounts of money if done appropriately in a, in a lot of different areas, right? You have a higher quality product and for trading. And then also like something that we don't pitch is like, you know, staying away from getting fined and things like that. Like those are, those are big areas that we focus on. Now we focus on efficiencies and being able for people to do more with less and things like that. But that is truly starting to resonate. And when people start to see our platform and they're able to see that they're able to do things in hours or days that usually takes them weeks. Um, it's a great sell, especially as people are, you know, they're, they're pretty tight on their personnel and who they're hiring and their various different departments. And so it's like, do I want to hire four more people to do this or do I bring in a software solution that allows me to do more with the folks that I have? Right. And of course also makes it, you know, we, we've talked to people about sort of the boom and bust of the mortgage industry and and then having to hire people to meet the demand and then let them go and make that painful decision when things slow back down you're automated from the start you don't have to do some of those things you can just sort of ebb and flow with the industry yes exactly um in in your um profile in our in our industry titans you talk a lot about um you know as as you said you want a team you want people to sort of work together cohesively as a unit and you know, there's a lot in in here about things you've done to sort of make ACES a place people want to work. And the mortgage industry in general 
can be very demanding, uh, especially the the closer you get to consumers, the more pressure there is to do things quickly. So talk to me about just in general, trying to strike that balance in the mortgage industry. Yeah. So when I came into ACES, uh, it was already a remote workforce, uh, which was, which was great. It was, you know, again, it was June of 2019. Um, and then I'm in Denver, Colorado. And, and then I did hire a CFO out of Denver, Colorado. And as we were talking about it, it was like, listen, we don't need to build an empire in Denver. Let's, let's see what happens with the workflow with the workforce, like to be tied to specific office locations, you inherently end up having to recruit in those spaces because you want to fill the offices and things like that. It's like, well, let's stay remote. Let's see how this goes. And I, I liked being able to recruit nationwide and get the best talent and things like that. So we, we stayed the path and we looked pretty brilliant um, on the end of that, because as we didn't get a big office in Denver, COVID hit and we were, we decided to go the WeWork route. So we have like WeWork offices um, that gives everybody around the country access to those as needed. And when we have people come out, we have nice office space and things like that. Um, but it's really worked out pretty nice um, in that regard. And then, you know, having a remote workforce, you know, we didn't pretend to know everything. I mean, I think we all are getting better at having a remote workforce and making sure that we're still generating and establishing relationships. But we just did a number of things um, to make sure people were still connected. I mean, we we certainly have pockets of folks, like we have pockets of folks in California and in Dallas and in Denver and in Jacksonville and in Indianapolis. And for those areas, we really try to tell people like, hey, go have lunches, go have happy hours, go do these types of things to make sure you're building community. Or when we have meetings um, and we're bringing a bunch of people together, we try to choose those locations so that if we're having like, let's say an executive session, we'll go somewhere where we can bring in a, a broader group for um, dinner and things like that. So we look to do those things. We've established a fun committee, which I, I know like commence eye roll, it kind of sounds cheesy, but um, they do a lot of great things for employee engagement and, um, you know, we'll do like virtual bingo and we do coffee breaks and we do um, all sorts of really neat things to try to get folks engaged. And there's always going to be a percentage of folks that aren't comfortable doing those things. So you're just constantly looking to do more of those types of things to get people involved, even though you're remote and make them feel like they're part of a community. So it's a, it's a constantly moving target. We are constantly soliciting employees for things that they think we need to be doing. Um, but we look to do things like that. And then the other natural thing you, you mentioned it before we got on is um, we were looking for things, you know, we are not a $30 billion organization, and, but we want to compete with those organizations for talent. So it was like, well, what can we do to be able to provide a great workforce for these employees? And so it was like, you know, big focus on like healthcare and things like that, but then also like unlimited PTO and things like that. It's like, if you hire the best people, they're always going to be striving to be A players. So worrying about PTO and things like that just seems like it, it's just an easy give um, and allow people that flexibility. And it, it makes us um, a better place to work, I think. And it also allows us to be more competitive as we're recruiting and things like that. Don't miss California's largest mortgage originator show. The California Mortgage Expo returns to Irvine on May 4th and 5th. See us at camortgageexpo.com start your year with the best connections in the industry dozens of sessions scores of exhibitors it's where success is written every hour camortgageexpo.com and it's fine to be a great place to work obviously that that's that's one way to attract talent and retain it but of course you also want to make sure you're being productive so when you offer things like unlimited pto 
which is gaining traction, but of course there's still some resistance to it. Having more flexible work hours, things like that. How do you make sure your team is still producing? Obviously those are things that employers are concerned about when they're debating these things. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean, like, listen, we track, when we did it, we rolled it out now. I think last year was our second full year of um of pto and and everything that we were reading um going into it was the the biggest thing to watch was actually people stop taking pto it's like you have to you have to actually force people to take pto because once you give it all to them they just kind of freak out um so we do track the matrix and it was really interesting um as we were looking at it we had um really just like one or two individuals that didn't take enough pto so then we said okay we need to start saying, hey, like you should really look to take a week a quarter off. And then we had a very, very small number that took like outside of, um, of what, you know, was like an average amount of PTO, but it was for other other reasons. So we do track those types of things. And then from a team perspective, everybody has their matrix as to what they're reporting on from productivity, whether that be our development staff or our support staff or, you know, sales goals are really easy to track um, from a productivity perspective. So um, just relying on management, um, really pushing that down to everybody in management mid-level and up to be looking at their team's productivity and then making sure that, you know, PTO when it is, um, unlimited you've got to make sure if you're going after more than a week that you're given a lot more lead time so we just make sure that, that we have those types of processes in place so if you're going to be out for two weeks you have you have backfill and things like that so um it's really been pushed down to the teams into management to make sure that, that everybody's productive yeah and we have we have you know a similar thing here with the unlimited pto and and you know some flexibility with you know we don't punch cards and stuff like that and it's yeah. very very project based. Everyone knows what their expectations are. And as long as you're getting your work done and you're not flagrantly just going on vacation for months at a time, you know, everyone knows what the expectations are. You're treated like adults and everyone gets their work done. Um, And just like you said, it's not like people are gone for long periods. They, there's more ownership to get the work done. So that if I do need to leave the office, people aren't questioning me and, and you do lose that you get away from that. Oh, if I don't use it, I lose it. I better go on vacation because I'm going to lose, you know, you feel like you're losing something as a, you know, when, when you're under that old structure of you get so many per year. Well, yeah. And there, I mean, it's, it's more than just, you know, even management over like, you know, PTO and things like that. I mean, if you're creating a good atmosphere and people truly feel like they're part of a team, they're not going to take advantage of it because they have their teammates next to them that they don't want to suffer because they're doing something that's, that's personal. So it's a, it's truly a team environment and everybody's looking out for each other. And and then you inherently don't have people taking advantage of the situation. And so one thing I wanted to ask you, since you did sort, you were on the origination side earlier in your career, obviously it's not apples to apples with where you are now you're in sales. If you start just taking large periods of time off, you, you run the risk of um, not, or, or just sort of trying to have flexible hours, you have to also be there for your customers. So some of those philosophies that you have, how do you sort of put that into place on, on a sales side, on origination side, what tips might you have for people who still are on origination to sort of, maybe if it's not going to look the same, it feels the same. It's the same principles. Yeah. I, I mean, listen, so if I look at our, sales teams, I mean, or any of our client facing individuals is there, um, you know, if they do have more flexibility in their workspace and things like that, 
Um, it's really just having backfill. So when you're going out, you know, you have somebody that immediately can come in and fill those spaces and, and be able to take the calls and things like that. So we, we look to establish that across the board. I mean, if a, if a client facing sales individual goes out for a period of time, we all really look to pick up the pieces as they're leaving. They'll send a note that says, Hey, I, like a very proactive note, I'm going to be out for this amount of time. And then we'll kind of assign who's going to pick up like certain meetings and certain times and things like that. So that the client um, doesn't feel that at all, which they shouldn't, right? Like if you're, if you're able to do that appropriately. So um, I, I don't think our clients, like, you know, the fact that we're talking about it, um, I don't think our clients actually even know that we have something like um, unlimited PTO until maybe they listen to this. Um, they haven't felt it at all. It's really just the team coming together to make sure they have backfills when appropriate. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting point. And again, that's something we try to instill here that the idea yeah. that you're irreplaceable and if you go on vacation, things stop. Like that doesn't necessarily speak to your value. It speaks to a flaw in the system that one person is so crucial to an organization. They can't even be out sick or uh, take a couple of days off. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we really position people to be empowered and make decisions and be able to pick up responsibilities where somebody else leaves them off. Yeah. One other thing that jumped out to me in, in your uh, profile for industry Titans, I I'm a dog lover. I have two dogs, both are rescues. And you talk about uh, your, your passion for sort of fostering and, and training dogs. Talk to me a little bit about that. As we have your beautiful dog taking a nap in the sunlight over your shoulder for our listeners. Talk to me about how you got into that. Yeah, so this one over my shoulder isn't a foster dog. So she's our Swiss Mountain dog. Um, and, but we do have another one that's um, out in the other room. Her name's Noki. Um, so she comes from Freedom Service Dog. So how I got into it was 100% my wife. Um, so she uh, has her own business, and she we lost a chocolate lab. And then when we got married, she was she was looking at Freedom Service Dog program and what they're able to do. And they focus a lot um, with vets and children and it's like mobility issues and it's PTSD and it's, it's those types of things. So really great program. Um, and we had our first one, let's call it like about three years ago. It was during COVID. So it was also a good time. I was on the road less and we were able to kind of do this together for the first one and have me around. And uh, her name was Cranberry. Um, and Cranberry did pass and she's with her forever person who's in a wheelchair and he was uh, teenager and so she's helping him and then we just got Noki about four months ago and we'll have her until the fall of this coming year and then she'll go into the Freedom Service Dogs program and they'll kind of figure out how to place her and things like that so uh, it's been very rewarding it's it's challenging I mean you 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 try to make it transactional because you know they're going to go off to a better place but you love the dog by the time it goes and then um, when they pass you're very proud of them but then you realize they're not coming back to you um, but they are going on to do much more important things for their forever owners and these are people that like truly they're life-changing creatures for these individuals so it's it's been really rewarding and i i you know i i said after the first one, I'm like, I think we could do that again. And my daughter and my wife immediately signed up to get the next one. So it happened really fast for the next one. So, but it was 100% driven by my wife. And now my daughter is all in. Well, good for you. Cause I know if, if we tried to do that, my, my wife wouldn't want to let the dogs go and, and I would pretend it's her fault, but secretly I would probably yeah. feel the same way. Next thing yeah. you know, we'd have 10 dogs running around our small little house. So yeah, my, <laughs> my nine-year-old daughter has been rooting for them to fail. Um, and I don't think she is anymore because we tell her that that's not the goal. <laughs> um, so now she's, she's really understands the bigger picture. 
Well, that's awesome work because obviously these service dogs play important roles in the lives of the humans that they go on to live with. And I'm sure you'll agree every every dog deserves a, a good home. So that's that's oh, all. yeah, one hundred percent. So thank you, uh, Tre- Trevor, uh, for joining me and for sharing some of your insights about, you know, how to how to make a, a, a team atmosphere that people want to be a part of. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for everything. And you can see the full list of industry titans in the January issue of NMP Magazine at NMPMag.com. We'll be right back with the rest of your headlines. The Originator Connect Network, the nation's largest producer of mortgage events, is about fostering a community founded on professionalism, collaboration, and personal and professional growth, connecting you to the story of your success. Welcome back. Here's your headlines for today, January 27th. Wells Fargo scored a partial legal victory, but it's not out of the woods just yet. Federal judge dismissed parts of a lawsuit by a North Carolina couple who claimed they received a lowball appraisal because they're black. The couple was trying to refinance their mortgage. Wells Fargo refused to do a second appraisal and told the couple they needed mortgage insurance. Instead, they went to another lender and got an appraisal for $540,000 or $60,000 more than their first appraisal. A judge dismissed claims this week that Wells Fargo and the appraiser conspired to engage in fraud in order to force the couple to buy insurance. But the judge says the couple can go forward with its claims of discrimination. This has been The Principal, a Mortgage News Network podcast. All podcasts are produced by T.G. Kutamperor, Matthew Mullins, and Sarah Woolock. Mike Savino is head of multimedia, and Christine Stewart is editorial director. The opening theme was Status by Jamie Bathgate, and the music you hear now is Glossy by Skygaze. You can find episodes of The Principal at www.mortgagenewsnetwork.com, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate and review so that others can find us. Thanks for listening.